0: What's up everybody and welcome to episode 59 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live from an undisclosed location. Uh, it's just me today, actually, a solo podcast. Originally, I i had hoped to have, have on a couple of guests, actually, on today's show. This is not their fault. It is my fault. I had a bit of a run-in with Delta on this fine Sunday. I am traveling from my day job, and uh, as a result of about a three-and-a-half-hour delay uh, in, in Atlanta's Hartsfield Airport, I am uh, it's very, very, very late on this fine Sunday, and I could not reasonably ask those guys to hang around and record with me just this late from hotel room and again an undisclosed location but uh in order to fulfill your monday fix i am here to bring you a little bit of content on this fine uh, Sunday evening into Monday, and uh, the, the Braves have an off day on Monday, so this will be a good way to fill a half hour or so of your day, and hopefully that will be uh, just enough to tide you over to a potential midweek podcast. I'm hoping to have the same guests that I had booked for today on before next week, so that'll be interesting if we can get that together. You might have a little bit of a bonus episode later on this week, so a little bit of a tease there, but uh, the Braves had a rough start to, this, to the 2017 season. Uh, the team is, of course, 1-5 after a walk-off loss in Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon. In fact, they got swept by the Pirates, uh, sort of in a excruciating fashion, losing 5-4 on Friday, 6-4 on Saturday, and 6-5 in 10 innings. On Sunday, um, it doesn't get much closer than that, and uh, you know, sort of a brutal way to uh, go on a four—what is now a four-game losing streak after they got a—they finally got a victory on last Wednesday. But you know, a much-needed off day before a quick two-game series in Miami on Tuesday. So plenty to talk about here. Uh, again, the Sunday result, as we—as I record this—you t- know, today's result was—it uh, was a starving Marte walk-off home run against Jose Ramirez. Uh, the Braves actually scratched—scratched scratched across a run in the top of the tenth inning and looked to be on their way to a potential victory but ramirez actually did not even record, uh, record an out in his appearance and uh, that was the end of that um On the bright side, there's been a couple of positive performances. I think Julio Tehran's been quite good. You know, 13 innings of zero earned runs. He did allow two runs in this game, but uh, nothing earned. Uh, Ten strikeouts, four walks, and 13 innings. And uh, Julio, you know, as much as he's uh, not been, you know, probably his absolute best self has a 0.00 ERA right now. So just have to argue with that. Uh, A couple of other guys have been good. You know, Bartolo Colon looked fantastic in his first start. Um, Only two hits hits and one earned run allowed. Uh, Had six strikeouts and one walk in six innings. In the, in the Braves' only victory of the season, so a couple of, th- of positive things to point out. Um, I think you know, aside from that, Matt Kemp would be the the, the offensive MVP at this moment in time. But Kemp's actually missed um, the last two games. He left he left with hamstring tightness on Friday, and um, I believe in the sixth inning or maybe the seventh inning, somewhere in the mid to late stages of that game on Thursday. Sorry, on Friday, and since that he's not appeared, he has just just hamstring tightness, nothing nothing bad there. And uh, I think it was reported by Mark Bowman originally that he probably would be out until Tuesday. He did not he did not appear over the weekend. Not a big surprise there. It looked to be more of a precaution than anything else. But uh, in 17 plate appearances this season, Matt Kemp has a 333. WRC Plus, which is hilarious on a number of levels because that's uh, basically impossible, but he's been pretty pretty darn good when he's played this year. A ton of extra base hits, kept us sort of mashing the ball, which is why it was unfortunate. The timing uh, of him suffering what is uh, probably going to be a minor injury, but still him having to miss two full games, uh, not, not great. And, uh, in his stead, the Braves have gone with Jace Pearson in left field. I am all about that move. I think Jace is easily the best player on this bench right now. And to have him starting left field is not great considering you would like to get a little bit, a little bit of power, a little bit of offense from your left field spot. But uh, still, uh, you know, Peterson is probably your best option, and that kind of paints a picture of where the bench is. In fact, uh, we've got a lot of questions about the bench. Uh, that when that I, I put out a mailbag call, and I want to address that here sort of in one fell swoop. Uh, the Braves so the Braves went out and signed Ryan Howard to a minor league contract this week. Yes, that Ryan Howard of the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, longtime Braves killer, a uh, guy who absolutely has owned the Braves throughout his major league career. Uh, Howard is now 37 years old, and that's probably the biggest reason why he was on the market. He's not been great in recent years. Uh, in fact, uh, he's had basically been a, been a negative player over the last couple of years, but did have a, a very, very strong second half to last season, which he had a 932 OPS over the second half of the season in Philadelphia, and you know again, Ryan Howard is not the greatest baseball player in the world. Even at his peak, he was a fantastic power hitter, but didn't do much else for you. It was probably overrated uh, just for what he was at the time. But he did he did absolutely mash the ball in his prime, and a guy who again kills the Braves, but is a power hitting left handed bat that the, that the Braves just don't have right now off the bench. Um, you know the fact that he's a first baseman. I I actually posted this on Twitter, but I thought it was pretty amusing that I heard some people sort of mumbling around the people that are actually in this profession about sort of why the Braves would sign Ryan Howard, and I can't imagine why you can't see the logic in that. Uh, this is a team that has absolutely no bench right now in terms of offensive firepower, and while Howard might be washed at this point, look, it's, it's, it's at least possible that Ryan Howard is just not going to be good at baseball ever again. That's at least within the realm of possibility, considering he is 37 years old, but this is an absolute no-risk move. He's In fact, he was signed on a minor league contract. He's not even on the 40-man roster right now, I think if Howard shows really anything in Glanet, I think we'll see him sooner rather than later, just because of how ugly the bench has been so far this year and how bad we how, how bad we sort of knew it was going to be coming into the season. Uh, again, you know, there's a couple situations this week in which the Braves are really hurt by their weak bench. I think you know I, I, I sort of ranted and raved about this on Twitter, but uh, the Braves uh, Bryce Snicker turning to Emilio Paganfacio as his first and sort of, I guess primary pinch hitter earlier in the year with earlier in the in the week with the, with the bases loaded and one out with a full bench. Uh, his he had his whole complement of options, and he went with Bonifacio, who swung through a sort of batting practice fastball on the way to a strikeout. And then later in the week, uh, Chase Darno got a got a high profile at bat. Um, that first game, actually, it's, it's kind of funny in retrospect because that, that's the game that the Braves won. Was the game that I'm, I'm pointing out about Bonifacio hitting uh, in a spot that didn't make a whole lot of sense. And later in that game, uh, the Braves used Tyler Flowers as a pinch hitter with no with no one on and two out. Uh, it was basically the inverse of what probably should have happened. And uh, we can get into a Brian Sticker discussion probably later but I'll say this. I've not been terribly impressed with the work of Brian Sticker to this point in time as a, as a strategic manager. You might remember if you've been a long-time listener to the podcast that I'm not a huge fan of that hire in general. I, I thought the Braves did not really give him any sort of confidence with the contract, the contract that, they, that, that, that they signed him to. It felt like sort of a... Uh, One that the Braves are almost setting themselves up to be able to get away from it as fast as possible, which tells me that they probably were not 100% sold on Snicker. I understand he's he's an organizational almost lifer here, and he's a guy who's well respected, uh, probably in that same players mold, manager that that players manager mold of Freddie Gonzalez and Bobby Cox, but. From a from a standpoint of what we can actually see as a uh, sort of outsiders and these and, and the strategic stuff and the, and the decision making, the bullpen management, the bench management, things like that, I've not been impressed so far with Brian Snicker. But again, it's six it's six games. I don't want to tell you that anything that happens so far is uh, going to be a massively important, but uh, worth noting that I'm I'm definitely on board with the Ryan Howard signing. Um, there's absolutely no risk again, and uh, I think I think I'd rather have him personally on my bench than guys like even between Darno and Wrecker. One of those guys could easily go away and fit, fa- or, or Bonifacio. Frankly, if they wanted to go in that direction, if they prefer Darno to Bonifacio, you don't really need Darno, Bonifacio, and Peterson on your bench. Obviously, Peterson's the best player of those three guys, but I think you know in the perfect world you don't need all three of those guys around. So if they want to give uh, Howard the playing time or the roster spot of one of those two guys between Dar- Darno and Dar- Dar- Bonifacio that would be fine as well as Wrecker if they wanted to go away from having three catchers and go back to uh, uh, at least an, at least with Howard you have a pinch hitter you have a real threat off your bench as a lefty power bat and while he's not going to be able to play the field at all um, you, you know, s- sort of the same thing with Wrecker with, with right now I think at a, uh, at full strength you'll never see a scenario where Wrecker's really playing defense I think he's pretty much there to be a pinch hitter and I guess the emergency catcher but uh, give me give Ryan Howard all day long over the options that are currently on the Braves bench, with with the exception of Suzuki and Jace Peterson. So hopefully we'll see Ryan Howard sooner rather than later. But the bench is a concern. This is not a this is not this is small, this is not small sample size small sample size theater. If you listen to the podcast before the season began. Uh, we were sort of ranted and raved about how bad a bench is going to be. I went on the uh, Fox Sports chopcast and said the same thing to Zach Dillard uh, last week on our season preview podcast between the two of us. Uh, the bench is going to be the worst part of this team all year long. There's people that are, uh, I actually got some questions this week about. Um, about sort of how bad the bullpen has been, I do think that's sort of been overrated at this point in time. There's been a couple of high-profile blow-ups from the bullpen. Obviously, today was not a good bullpen performance, including the Ramirez blow-up and in the uh, in the season opener, the bullpen was sort of let things get get away from him in a hurry. But in the middle stages, there the bullpen was actually pretty good, and uh, I think that's going to be, if not a strength, not not a period of, not a place of huge weakness for this team. Whereas the bench right now. You'd have a hard time convincing me that uh, without two or three more moves in addition to Howard, this bench could be anything more more than uh, a strongly below average one throughout the season. Uh, With that said, a couple of other things to get to on this podcast before we get into some mailbag questions. Uh, Bartolo Colon, I thought looked great, as I mentioned before. That's something that I think people got really, really excited about, uh, the Mets sort of homecoming Bartolo was uh, pretty funny to consume, if only because uh, Mets fans absolutely love Bartolo Cologne. I think I saw that the the team actually uh, had a TV rating that was like through the roof for the Cologne start. Uh, it was sort of fitting that the and that he actually pitched very well against the Mets. But worth pointing out that I thought he was uh, very good and worth pointing out again. Uh, Ari Dickey, I thought looked re, you know reasonably well in in the game that he pitched. Uh, 4.6, uh, 4, 4.76 ERA is not great in five and two thirds innings. But you know, he, he got bad Bip to death with a four oh nine bad bip in that game and I thought he you know, again, Dickie's not gonna guy. I didn't love that signing more than anything in the world, but uh, he's a guy who's gonna eat innings. I thought he, could, he he probably could pitch as much as he as much as you ever want him to pitch, and uh, not really worried about that there individually. Guys in the bullpen, uh, Ian Kroll, I'm not at all worried about. Uh, Kroll is, has a 10.13 ERA right now, and I've, you know you heard a lot of rumblings in that first game of the season about you know why is Ian Kroll is, is he even a majorly league pitcher? Blah, blah 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 blah. You know that's that's definitely an overreaction. Uh, that's one of the things I could point out with Snicker that I. Did not love was the opening day deployment of Kroll facing a ton of right-handed batters. And while he's not a lefty specialist, that's worth pointing out. It's not a situation where he cannot get out right-handed pitching. I'm sorry, right-handed batting. But um, there were other options that the Braves probably could have utilized there. Uh, hilariously, though, Ian Kroll sports a 2.67 FIP right now with his 10.13 ERA. So take with that what you will. I don't think he's a bad pitcher by any means. And he'll be uh, bouncing back. Um, other bright spots um, from the early going I think Aurora's Viscaino has looked very very good um, for the most part Um, Jim Johnson is kind of doing a Jim Johnson impression which is encouraging uh, offensively Again, this is all small sample size fear, but uh, you know Freddie Freeman's looking like Freddie Freeman to me, uh, sporting a very impressive uh, slash line at this point in time, and uh, he's been the best player uh, on the team. You know Matt Kemp's numbers are better, but uh, with a couple of less games, of course, uh, Matt Kemp is uh, uh, and also his, his defensive stuff. But Freeman, you know, two two home runs on Sunday, he now has a 179 w, wRC plus for the season. Uh, that's pretty good. I want to say uh, about Freddie, uh, he's been. Pretty pretty darn lights out and uh, nothing to be said there. You know, a 692 slugging percentage, uh, yes, sir, with uh with Freddie Freeman. Um Nick marquez has had some really uh sort of ugly struggles early on, but has now sort of picked it up and stopped striking out quite as much, still striking out too much uh, in a small sample, but actually has a 140 WRC plus in a small amount of time, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. No, no real disasters offensively, aside from you know, Kurt Suzuki's had a rough time at the plate in 14 plate appearances. Dansby Swanson has not been fantastic. By any means, but uh, you know, Dansby had, a, Dansby had a home run on Sunday that sort of uh, hopefully will wake him up a little bit. Uh, he's a guy struggling right now, mightily with a, I believe, an OPS in the low 500s, but I'm not worried about Dansby at all. 29 plate appearances, nothing you can really do about that. And the home run is a, hopefully a good sign moving forward for the young shortstop. Um, with all that said, we can move on to the mailbag and sort of blow through a couple of these in a hurry. Again, I don't have too much to get to. I wanted to get some some content up on this fine on this fine evening into the morning. But uh, considering this is a solo episode, and I don't want to do a ton of uh, you know sort of overarching breakdown stuff on the the problems with the team because again, one, one of five is not great. But uh, you know, you're going to have six game sample sizes where things go wrong, and uh, that's worth noting. Um, Jackson Johnson asked, do I think Rio Ruiz gets called up before the All-Star break? I would say yes. I've mentioned this a couple times on, on previous podcasts, but I think uh, my bold prediction was had something to do with Ruiz um, getting uh, 100 starts at third base. That seems very, very aggressive, but I think you'll see Ruiz before the, All- before the All-Star break. If it's up to me, uh, I would be even earlier than that, but I think Rio will be up before then pretty comfortably. Um, second question comes from Matthew Collier. Which hole in the Braves lineup is the first to get a long-term fill, third base or catcher? <clears throat> and part two, who fills that hole? Uh, obviously, this fills in uh, pretty nicely with the Rio Ruiz question. Uh, the question is sort of, is he that guy? I'm not sure that Rio is going to be sort of the third baseman of the future for the Braves. I think there's a possibility that that, that absolutely could happen. If he can pick things up um, for where he is, he's still very, very young to be even in AAA. At this point in time, but because uh, there are other options, you know, Travis Demerrick could end up being at third base at some point. Um, also, Austin Riley could be a couple years away at that at that spot. And I think third base is a less of a long term concern by far. If you ask me, you know, gun to my head, who who plays the most games at third base over the next ten years between Ruiz, uh, DeMeritt, and Riley? I'll probably go with Ruiz. He's the safest bet. He's the highest guy, but he also has the lowest ceiling of those three. I would imagine so. A lot to get to in terms of the future, but right now, you know, third base is not a great spot. You know, Dinos Garcia. The cat as a guy, I don't really believe in. To be honest, I've said that a couple times on the podcast. He was better than I thought he would be last year, which is good. Uh, I have no beef with Adonis uh, being better than I thought he would be, but uh, small sample size this year has not been uh, fantastic in his favor. He's been, uh, you know, him and uh, Garcia and NCRT have been the worst two offensive players on the roster according to um, the the you know, sort of the metrics in the small sample size in terms of slash line and WRC plus. I'm not worried about NCRT. We've seen him do it over a large sample, and with his defense. And almost doesn't matter if he's unless as long as he's not an awful hitter, he's uh, playable. Garcia does not have that kind of cushion. Garcia absolutely has to hit to stay in the lineup, and I'm not sure he's going to do that. So I would say uh, third base is the one that I, I feel better about than catcher. Catcher is sort of a black hole. There's a couple the Braves have invested a little bit recently in some catcher stuff in the minors, but nobody's really close to reaching the major leagues. We've seen that now. I mean, this the major league roster, uh, you know, God bless Tyler Flowers for having a fantastic year last year, but he's probably more suited as a backup catcher uh, than anything else on a, on a great team. I don't think you want him to be your starter necessarily with some of his issues with his uh, – with his throwing and even you know, the fact that his bat played so well last year. I'm not sure you can rely on that uh, in year two of this experiment, but uh, Flowers is fine. But behind them, you have Suzuki and record neither, which are intriguing uh, long-term options to be sure, and even short-term options. So you don't really have that next guy that's coming up at catcher. So I think catcher is the bigger concern for me. Um, if not in a super duper long-term, sort of in a relatively uh, short long-term, if that makes sense, in the next two, three, four years, I'm not sure where the team goes with catcher. And they could look to do the step, go to the stock guy, route every single season they've done that now for a while with pierzinski and flowers and you know sort of that combination it's been a while since the braves had that it's basically been since brian mccann since the braves had that guy at catcher that they can rely on before that um it was javier lopez so there's been some quality catchers in the Braves system but uh it, for right now there's not really that obvious choice and that's i'd be the answer to my question i think that third base is the easier one to fill long-term catcher is definitely the one that's more of a question mark right now than anything else Um, James Autry says uh, will will they hand Matt Kemp the MVP MVP trophy this week or next week Uh, one thing about Kemp is that he has to come back in the lineup and actually play and defensively there's been some issues already I don't don't think he's looked like he's in such good shape to the point where his defense is suddenly going to be good but if he hits like he has so far this year he's going to be in the mix all year long that's not going to happen but hey uh, it's worth talking about just how good he's been so so far in a very very small sample Um, Michael Blackburn says we're going to address the bench soon right 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 and uh, yes, Michael. Michael, I'm sure the Braves are looking out, and I think they've been pretty vocal, if not through the beat writers. Um, been, I think it's pretty pretty much understood that the Braves know they have a bench problem. Uh, Ryan Howell was probably the first domino. There was some interest in Ryan Rayburn, apparently, uh, according to a couple of reports early in the week. Rayburn is now off the market, but the Braves are at least uh, at least looking under some rocks for some bench help, and we'll see. I think moving forward, we'll see that going that's going to happen in the future. I got a couple questions about Danzy Swanson. Again, I I did not. Uh, see anything negative with Dansby so far to be honest um, and it's in a situation where I'm worried at all about Swanson uh, Val one word ask uh, the bullpens look terrible for the first week of the season what changes do we need to make Uh no changes at least for an owl. I mean, you have Mauricio Cabrera Cabrera coming back from the injury. If he's gonna um, be fine, uh, which I think he will be, that'll be a nice infusion of talent. Um, if you want, if you have, if you want a guy to worry about, I would worry about Erico Flaherty. To be honest, that's a guy who uh, I think is pretty much smoke and mirrors in terms of what we what we saw in spring. He was fantastic in spring, and I, I made this point earlier on the podcast. But if his name was not Erico Flaherty, if he was a run of the mill guy with the same exact profile and do not have that Braves sort of legacy status, I don't think Phil Flaherty would be on this team. That's just me speculating recklessly, but um, I think you're going to have to – that's the one guy I'd be actually worried about. But It's either Rowe or Flaherty would be the two guys that you want to upgrade from. Uh, the Braves have a decision to make when Cabrera comes back, if, he, if he's 100% pretty soon here, if they want to go back to the uh, four-man bench route with the eight-man bullpen or they want to actually get – you know sort of cut ties with someone in the bullpen – um, I, you know, my, my money would be on Roe or Flaherty getting the ax if that actually happened you know, Ramirez gave up the big fly in this game on Sunday but I think he's a better pitcher to be honest than either Roe or Flaherty so something to watch there and Josh Colemanter has been pretty bad in a small sample so far but Colmenter is the long reliever and a guy who the Braves like quite a bit uh, as I know maybe not as a starter but certainly as a guy who's going to eat, be eating some real innings this season sort of a hybrid role and an emergency starter role if if it comes to that Um, With all that said, I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. I I apologize for the the very, very short episode on this fine Sunday into Monday. But a one-in-five team, a botched guest, uh, a botched travel uh, all those things. It's on me this week, but I, I wanted to at least to come and uh, talk to you guys a little bit about, about baseball in advance of the of the rest of the week's series. Um, the Braves are back in action on Tuesday. You'll want to follow along with Talking Chop for sure throughout the week. Um, hopefully, the the results will be better. The uh, the Braves head to Miami to, for the two, for a quick two game, or before they go to San Diego for a four game series. After that, um, on the bright side, San Diego probably has the, the worst roster in all of baseball. The Marlins. Uh, I am not hugely high on the Marlins, as you might remember if you listen to this podcast. I picked the Marlins to finish last in the NL East. That's an aggressive pick, I know, but I'm not a huge believer. So uh, a, a little bit of a soft part of the schedule here over the next of the next six games, the brands will be favored to probably go out and get three or four wins at the minimum. If they can't do that, it might be time a little bit worried about worried a little bit. If if they go if they go into San Diego and lose three out of four, that will not be a great look by any means. Considering the Padres are really brutal. Sorry, I, I, I also said go into San Diego. You know, those games are at home, so I should say that. Um, that's, that's of course the SunTrust Park opener on Friday. Uh, w- w- if I'm planning on doing a midweek episode, but if I don't hear, if you don't hear, hear from me again, uh, please uh, get ready for that for, for that game. I will not be in the building on Friday night, but I'll be there on Saturday to sort of check out the digs at SunTrust Park. Uh, right now, it looks like it's going to be Mike Fulton-Avich. Could be Julio Tehran actually, uh, in that opener on Friday. There's a little bit of uncertainty here. The Braves sort of lined things up for it to be uh, Fulton-Avich because of the fact that they had to skip R.A. Dickey in Pittsburgh. But they could go with Te- with Tehran because of the fact that um, the schedule breaks down with, with, with the uh, Braves having two off days. They could run Julio out there on regular rest and have their guy on the mound for the opener. That would not blow me away, but no official word at this point in time keep an eye on talkingcha.com we'll definitely have that up for you as soon as that is official that will uh, it'll either be Julio or Fultonavich, or they could go with Col- they could go with Dickie if they want to they can do whatever they want to in that game because of the fact that they have two days off and a four day period on Monday. And Thursday, so you have to survive Monday and Thursday without baseball. But uh, if you can do that, the reward is a four-game series against the Padres, in which the Braves should be able to pick up some wins. So, if you're not subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, please do that for us. Leave us some five some five-star feedbacks as well. If you if you like the show, please tell them or tell us. If you don't like the show, but don't leave don't leave a one-star review unless you want to just be mean to me. <laughs> but um, we're also available on SoundCloud, where, where the podcast is hosted, and of course, TalkingShawn.com where every single podcast episode goes up with a little bit of a listening guide. So if you'd like to do that and support the, uh, the site at the same time, please go ahead and do that. So thanks for your patience about the podcast. Hopefully we'll be back in a couple of days. And if not, we'll definitely be back on Sunday to sort of wrap up the SunTrust Park uh, opener Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and get back on a regular schedule in advance of next week. So thanks as always for listening. Stay tuned, enjoy your week, and uh, go grace.